Hello, welcome to this episode of the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. I am your host, Alicia Michelle. I am a Christian mindset coach, and I'm here to help you understand how to renew your mind using biblical truth and brain science. Today, we are addressing a question from actually something that I deal with and hear about a lot, which is women say, how do I help those around me learn how to welcome in these same kind of tools and mindset patterns that you're talking about here? I want to help my kids specifically is often what they'll say. So I was excited when I heard that my friend Sarah Geringer was coming out with a new book that specifically addressed how we can help our teens renew their thought life with God's word and specifically Christian meditation. I knew when I heard about her book, I wanted to have her on the show because this is a question that you guys ask me all the time is how can we relate these concepts to helping those around us? So that is what today's episode is about, is learning some of these ways that we can encourage our kids, specifically our teen girls, in how to confront some of the negative thought patterns they may have and how to work through them using the lens of God's word. So Sarah Geringer is a speaker, a podcaster, an artist, and author of Transforming Your Thought Life, Christian Meditation in Focus, and the, her newest book, Transforming Your Thought Life for Teens, Renew Your Mind with God. She also has three self-published books, and she's on the devotional writing team for Proverbs 31, for Hopeful Living, Kingdom Edge Magazine, and Woman to Woman Ministries. She's written for a wife like me, devotable, and when she's not reading over 100 books a year, she enjoys painting, baking, gardening, and playing the flute. Her daily must-haves are hot tea, dark chocolate, and fresh flowers, and she lives in Southeast Missouri with her husband and three children. And those of you who know me know that I spent some time in Missouri in college, and so anyone who's from Missouri has a special place in my heart. So I love Sarah just even for that, that she's from Missouri. And you can find out more information about her work at sarahgaringer.com. All right, so without further ado, here is that episode and conversation with Sarah about Christian meditation and how we can help our teens overcome these negative thought patterns. Well, hey, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. We are talking about Christian meditation, and I know that you had been on the podcast before to talk about this, but now you are focusing that desire to share about Christian meditation to a new audience, and that is to teen girls. So how can we encourage our daughters and our sons in this is kind of the focus of our conversation today. So I'm excited to dig into that with you, but first just to kind of lay the ground for all of us together, can you define Christian meditation, what that looks like, how it's different from maybe Eastern meditation? I know sometimes there's weird connotations with that word. So can you set that up for us? Absolutely. Uh, Christian meditation is very simply just thinking deeply and intentionally about God's word. It's the focus of your thoughts when you're meditating. It's not a mantra. It's not some self-affirmation. It's the literal word of God. That's your focus. And that's what makes it different. You are inviting the Holy Spirit's presence when you do that. And you're asking him to reveal his truth and help you apply it in your life in different areas, according to whatever verse that you're meditating on. And that's why it has so much power because the Bible tells us that the word is living and it's dynamic and it can transform us and change us from the inside out. So that's why it's so exciting to talk about. What was that journey like for you from going from sharing with adult women about this to now wanting to share with teens? I know you have a teen girl, but how did God lay that burden on your heart to talk about it in this new way? 
This is something I love to talk about. When I was launching my first book, The Transforming Your Thought Life, Christian Meditation and Focus, I had a launch team. And that's what Christian authors do to just spread the word about a new book. So some of my launch team members had teen daughters and they were going using my book with a struggle that their daughter was facing. The most popular chapter was the anxious thoughts chapter oh, because yeah. Yeah. the uh, teens deal with anxiety probably more than anything else. Yes. And they said, my daughter really loved this. Like it really helped her. Have you thought about writing a book for teen girls? Mm. And I said, no, I've never have. I write, <laughs> you know, primarily for women. Yeah. And, uh, the teen years were my hardest. They they really were my darkest years. And it wasn't really exciting for me to think about going and reliving those yeah. uh, by writing a book. However, I thought, you know, I'm going to run this by my publisher, just see what they say. And it was green lights all the way, just open highway. Mm. And so I knew it was God's will. I really, truly, honestly wish that this book had been available during uh, mm. quarantine in those early days, but God's timing is perfect. You mentioned anxiety a couple of times as being one of these things that our teen girls and boys are struggling with. How do you see this showing up in a different way than say adult women maybe? And how do you address some of these ideas of these negative thoughts, anxious thoughts, impure thoughts, what all the different types of thoughts that you talk about in the book, how do you address all of that from a teen's perspective versus what the first book talked about from a woman's perspective? What I tried to remember when I was going back into those stories in my head was what made me feel anxious then? Mm, yeah. When when you're still developing, I know you talk a lot about this as a neuro coach, Alicia, like the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed in teens yet. Right. So they don't have that sense of uh, this is going to work out okay because they don't have the experience that we have as adults. They don't have as many stories of conquest and victory that we have experienced. And so I think that is very frightening. Another thing that I personally believe is different from when the two of us are Gen Xers, you're right on the bubble of the millennials, I think, but I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. I'll never and tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I'm just saying my kids, all three of them say nineties rule mom. And I said, yeah, they do. <laughs> so funny. the thing is the way that the culture was when we were young is there was still greater sense of God's sovereignty. Mm. There was still a greater sense of unity in our culture. Mm. And I think especially when I was really a child in the 80s, this was even more true than when I was a teenager. But what I'm trying to get at is the difference for our teens now is our culture does not honor God mm. as being sovereign. It does not really honor him as being holy and almost that sense of awe and reverence and like a godly fear that we need yes. to have to hold God in the right perspective 
that's lost on this generation. Mm. And so I think when you don't have that as your core centering belief on who God is, it is easy to see the world as this chaotic jungle Mm -hmm. that has no direction that it's flowing in. It's just out of any control. So I think that it was easier for us in that regard, that that was more of a majority opinion, at least within the church. And I think one of the dangers of focusing on such a personal relationship with God, which I 100% believe in, we've made him too personal. We've made him too familiar. And I think that worshiping God strictly for his majesty, his splendor, his holiness can start recultivating that sense of centeredness, knowing that he's sovereign and he's in control of everything. So I think that's something that we need to be very intentional about. Uh, Yeah. When you're talking, I was thinking about just the idea of security, that Mm -hmm. there is not that security. I'm not sure what you didn't, you grew up as a Christian. You grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. I grew up not as a Christian. I didn't know God growing up, but even then I still felt that sense of security that maybe isn't felt now, even though I didn't necessarily have God, because like you were saying, God was still part of a, a part of our culture, so to speak, somewhat in the eighties and nineties that it, whereas now it seems very anti-truth, anti-anything of that would smack in the face of God. So you're right. I can see how that anxiety is there. And then I also wanted to couple off what you had said about the prefrontal cortex. And yeah, that is the one of the last parts of the brain to develop in terms of it's there in our kid's brain physically, but the development of it to maturity is the last part. And that is the logical sense of our brain. And also the role of the PFC with the amygdala is the amygdala is the fight or flight, the emotional sensor. That's where we do a lot of anxiety can start there. And the purpose of the prefrontal cortex is to kind of quiet the anxiety of the amygdala when it's sending off alarms, it's to quiet it down. So it makes sense that if the amygdala is being triggered all the time and we don't have a developed, fully developed PFC to maturity, then you're not going to be able to calm it down as much. So that yeah. means if, if it's firing more then it's, it's there. So anyway, that's interesting to me to think about it from that perspective too. But we have seen as grown women, how meditating on God's word is helpful. What can we do then to help our kids who are struggling with anxiety and this insecurity in our world? How can we make something like what sounds as formal maybe as meditation? How can we make that something that's a tool that they can use in everyday life? I have several uh, layers to my answer here. Okay. So one is we've got to start managing our own thought lives ourselves mm-hmm. first before we can help our our children, our teenagers learn how to do this. Yeah. And I know that you're very passionate about that in your ministry. I'm passionate about that in mine. But if you have five minutes a day, mm-hmm. that's all it's going to take to start centering yourself on God's peace. Uh, that's what I started doing back in 2003 when I challenged myself to read through the whole Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. That's what happened within within about three weeks of doing that every day at breakfast time. I noticed a whole different change in my spirit. And this wow. is somebody who, 
you know, I went to Christian school. I, I graduated from a Christian college. I went to church every week. Like the Bible was not unfamiliar to me, sure. but yeah. this was the first time. Let's see. I was 25 years old when this mm-hmm. happened. I started reprogramming my thoughts through that process, but it started by reading my Bible at breakfast. It was just me, my Bible and the Holy spirit. That's all it took. That's Mm -hmm. what got the ball rolling. And I just picked one verse out of that reading every day to just kind of think through what does this mean for me? What does this, how does this apply to my life right now? What principle is in this verse that I can pull out? That's all it really was. That's kind of component number one of this plan. Component number two is the stories. It doesn't matter how advanced we get technologically, people love stories. That's how he created us to learn. He created us to connect through stories. And so if you are wanting to be intentional about engaging your teen in faith, then you're going to have to kind of search your heart, search your mind, your history for some stories that you can share. Pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, enlighten me to the stories that you want me to share with my teenagers. Mm -hmm. And he will answer that prayer. It's important not to just bring up the the good stories, the funny stories. You need to be digging for the hard stories, the struggles the, the trials that you went through and where you felt stuck. And, and here's why this kind of moves into component number three, and this is where the hope is. Okay. So the studies show both secular and in church studies match on this data that teenagers are seeking authentic conversations about faith with adults. Sure. So what they want is authenticity. That's the key. So that's why your story has to be real. It has to be the good and bad, not just the good. Uh, Because as we all know, teens are the best lie detectors in the universe. So at least my teens are. They can (laughs) see right through stuff without me having to coach them. But there's a hunger that God has put in them that they want authentic storytelling. Mm. And I think that starting with a story is is a way to disarm kind of a challenging or awkward topic. We're talking about uh, drug use, maybe. Maybe you're ashamed that that was part of your story. But if you can, while you're asking the Holy Spirit to give you stories, ask the Holy Spirit to empower you with courage and wisdom to share then he will give you the insight on what to do. And you don't have to tell everything. Yeah. But if you connect on that story, you can either say, now here's how God helped me. Or you can say, this is what I wish I had known at the time because it would have helped me so much. And then it might be a verse that you've been meditating on or a Bible story that you say, I wish I had had the courage of Joshua or I wish I had had the integrity of Joseph, that kind of thing. And then you can just make it a normal part of your conversation. It's not like you're just throwing Bible verses at them. You're saying how this would apply to you. And that might be all they need to hear. You might need not to tell them you should or you shouldn't because they're going to hear that in your story. 
So I feel like anyone I've explained that to, it's like this weight comes off of their shoulders of, oh, I don't have to have whole Bible passages memorized. I don't have to, you know, go to some doctrine class. I can just find what God has used in my life and just share my story. That's a lot less intimidating for most people. And they have this idea of, I can do this. Right. So it's really exciting when, when you get to the point when you're ready and willing and able to do that, you can make a really big difference for mm-hmm. your, your teens that are in your life. Yeah. So then you're saying then using those stories to direct them to Bible truths mm-hmm. and then giving them some way such as meditation, some kind of a, a practical tool to let that sink in to have that be the tool versus using God's word as like a weapon in the sense of, well, here's a Bible verse, but you're connecting it with story. You're giving that authentic, I'm relating to you. And here's a Bible verse that that also relates to the story. And this is something that you can use to focus on and think about when this issue comes up. Is that what you're saying? So yes, I do use this technique actually with my two boys. They're always in a hurry to get out of the door but often I just read a verse of the day. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily do any commenting on it. They've heard the Bible stories before they went to Christian school as well. So they're familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, if your kids aren't real familiar, it might help to give some context. Mm-hmm. The seed I, I want to plant is to start your day with God, even if it's just looking at one verse for 30 seconds, because I want them to do that on their own someday. And also to just think about what that verse means. Uh, My daughter and I actually read, I actually read a devotion out loud to her Mm. uh, with the verse that takes about three minutes while we're eating breakfast. And I just feel again, like I'm planting seeds. I'm doing my duty as a Christian mother Mm. of inviting God into our day and then letting the Lord do the rest of the work at the stage that they're at, you know, we need to give teens a lot of space to process these thoughts on their own and uh, just be seed planters and waterers and then let God do the growing. We're responsible to keep planting them. Yeah. Are you overwhelmed with negative thoughts and have no idea how to get rid of them? It's like you know what the truth is, but you just can't seem to believe it or make that inner critic stop. I understand. And listen, I want to help you find a way out. I want to give you a free mindset training that will teach you scientific and biblical tools to show you how to manage your thoughts and how to take back control of your emotions. Go to vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind to get this free training. Again, this is a totally free training. This is my gift to you so that you can take the first steps to find freedom, to find peace in your thoughts. And so you can truly believe in the good promises that God has for you. Go to vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind right now to get this free training. So then what you're saying then is Christian meditation in this sense is not necessarily telling our kids to go sit down and read a Bible and be by themselves and think about it. Maybe in the way that an adult might begin to have a practice of Christian meditation. You're saying having opportunities for it to be in their heart and then letting any stories that you have around it be another avenue and then giving them space to process it is a great way to help them have that as a tool to manage their thoughts. Right. And 
I think any of these longer conversations are when my teens will open up to me about a problem that they're having. That's when I go into the story and the yeah. Well, I, I I had a similar experience one time. I don't really know if this will help you, but maybe it will. Uh, do I? Ha- Sometimes I say, "Do I have permission to tell you this?" Because, mm. as you know, if you're if you have a teen in your life, the relationship is on their terms. Yeah. And so you really have to kind of give them that agency to decide whether they're in the frame of mind to listen or not. But most, of, I don't think there's any time that I've asked that of my teens and they've turned me down. I just mm-hmm. feel like it's a sign of respect. Right. And then I'll share it with them and just ask them, you know, do you, what do you think about this? And then I will always follow up and just say, you know, I'm going to be praying for you on this issue. And if you want to come back to me and uh, talk about it some more, you have any other questions, just let me know. Faith can be lost in the whole, like one generation. Mm -hmm. It only takes one generation of the faith not being passed on for the faith to die out. And we already know we're living in a post-Christian society here in the United States. So this is our way of fighting back. And I don't think God requires us to save the whole world or the whole country or even our whole state or a whole city, but we can start in our own homes. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter if someone right now you're saying, well, my kid is a senior in high school. How do I even start with this? I'm saying just use whatever time that you've got left because they will appreciate it. They will be able to look back and say, I had 10 faith-based conversations with my mom and that matters. That's, that's 10 seeds that could grow into 10 plants that turn into a hundred plants later in their, in their spiritual life. So don't get discouraged. Just ask God for help and just be as honest and authentic as you can be. And it will make a huge difference. So when you're talking about this conversations, you mentioned it in kind of a casual way, but you also, I know, have resources that connect the two tools that you have now on transforming your thought life. Right. And to me, that seems like a very practical way too to be able to have those conversations with our teens. So can you share more about that and how that is a, a bridge between the two conversations that can help? Definitely. So My own daughter told me, my 13-year-old daughter told me, mom, uh, there's going to be a lot of girls that get this book for Christmas and then just sit it on a shelf and they never read it. Mm. (laughs) And I thought about that after she said it. And I thought, well, how, what can I do to facilitate these conversations to get these authentic faith-based conversations rolling between parents and their kids or mentors and a teen or a youth group leader and a group of teens, what can I do to make this easier? So I have an amazing assistant. She has a teaching degree. So she's great at uh, creating curriculum. And so she helped me develop a 26 page guide Mm -hmm. that it is actually the same questions for both books, for the adult version and the teen version. And it's it's meant so that you can have a framework for a slightly more formal discussion mm-hmm. than if just coming up with something on your own is too, yeah. um, you're just too busy for that, or you know, you just don't have time to sit down and do that. This can make that possible. 
And she's included some YouTube videos to watch together and just some interactive, some memes she found that you can discuss. Well, what is, what is the truth behind that? So I think that teens will enjoy it because it's interactive yeah. and it really, and one of the main things that it emphasizes for the adults, especially is to be listening, mm. listening without judgment, because Let's just get honest here. It's hard enough for us to think about our thought lives and deal with them, much less talk about it and then talk about it with our teens of all people, right? Yeah. So, and it goes both ways as, as you and I were talking about this before, we originally were going to have this conversation with our teen girls here. And we very quickly learned that they have good relationships with us, but they're not necessarily comfortable with sharing about their thought lives with everybody listening to a podcast. And then, I mean, I wouldn't have either at 13 years old. I completely understand that. So we have to understand that they need space to think about these things and creative ways to engage them in learning about meditation in this way and God's word. And it's not necessarily something that has to be like, it has to be a certain way or it has to be forced. It's just how can, I think what you're ultimately saying is how can you welcome in God's word as the the barometer that you're going to use as right. truth for every thought that you have? And how can you say, when you see the thoughts that are coming in that aren't right, how can you know what to do to get God's word in your head to make it happen? So, yeah, and being honest about it, you talk about anxiety a lot mm-hmm. on your podcasts and how to handle it. And to be honest with your teen and say, look, when I stuff my face full of Hagen does, I feel one way when mm-hmm. I'm anxious, you know, but when I instead choose to meditate on yeah. Isaiah 26, verse three, what a difference that makes for yes. me. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. you're admitting to your teen, Hey, I struggle with anxiety too. And I don't always make the right decision in dealing with it. But yeah. when I yeah. do make the right decision, here's how I feel. Here's how much better my day goes when I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're humble enough and courageous enough to share it with your teen, one thing teens need to know is that their parents make mistakes and are willing to admit that. I think that's huge in a teen's desire to respect their parents. Mm. And I think a lot of parents don't understand. They think, oh, if I show my weaknesses to my kid, they're not going to respect me. It's actually very opposite. Mm. That they, they need to see that you're a full and real person. I think there's not a teen in this universe who wouldn't still hold their parent in high regard If that parent is just willing to say, Hey, I make mistakes, but I'm trying to move in the right direction. Right. So that's to encourage you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. That's very true. And we, sometimes we're, like you said, we're afraid to show those because we think, well, we don't want them to think we're a hypocrite or we don't want them to think any of these things. But all we're really saying is that we are a work of art of God. Basically we're continually changing and being molded by him and where we were 20 years ago is radically different than where we are today by the grace of God. So by continuing in this way, there is positive change. Yeah. I think those can only be good conversations to have. So I appreciate that you have that bridge because I know that would be something that I would want to use in, and, and to make it a little bit more formal, to be able to say, this is what I 
you know, think is helpful. If you're struggling with this, here's some verses specifically, because I know in the sections of the book you give, like you meant, we've mentioned anxiety, but um, whatever the different types of thoughts are, there are specific verses that you give and you lead the girls through how to break that down, how to use it, how to, how to really meditate on that. So what else would you say just in closing about how to help encourage our teens to let God's truth be their focus for their thoughts? What could you encourage women with? I think that you need to pray specifically that that's what God will do. Prayer is so powerful. And in all likelihood, you might be the only person praying for your team. Mm. Just being, just being honest. And you're the person who's going to pray the most fervently for them, the most lovingly about them. Mm -hmm. And so if you start praying before you take any of this else all any of this other stuff on pray that God will speak to your teen through his word, that it would become alive in their hearts and their minds. And they would start seeing it as their guide for living. And if you keep praying that then God is going to give you opportunities to help facilitate that process, whether it is using these free discussion guides, or just having these uh, pop-up conversations with your teen, um, he will answer that prayer. That's a prayer that God wants to answer. That's, That's when he sees the potential to harvest a lot of fruit from So any kind of those prayers for fruitfulness in someone's life, I think God delights in answering those and he will equip you to be that seed planter and the water and even the harvester. If you are faithful in investing in your teen in this way. Mm, Awesome. So where can they find more information about you and about this new book? Where would they go to get that information? You can see everything on the front page of sarahgeringer.com and that free discussion guide I mentioned, it's in the sidebar. If you're on your phone, just keep scrolling down to the bottom and you'll see it. Yeah. Perfect. Sarah, thank you so much for your passion to help not just women grow in this area, but girls and young men who are so eager to hear the truth presented in a way that's real and authentic, not just a Bible verse to have to check a box and memorize, but to really say, how can I get God's word to change me? That's what I really want is I want to have true life. So thank you for this resource that's allowing them to do that. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. So this is the part of the show where I address one of the questions that you ask and send to me. And if you would like to ask me a question about mindset, about managing your thoughts, about how this all relates to what it means to be a Christian and to be in charge of our own thoughts and all that kind of stuff, please go to Instagram and you can go to at Vibrant Christian Living. You can respond on any of the posts there and ask your question, or you can send me a direct message there, but I would love to hear from you and to hear your question. So here's the question we're talking about today. How can I be happy for a situation and frustrated by at the same time? What do I do with those conflicting emotions? That's what someone had sent me. And so let's talk about this dichotomy that we have, which is happening at any given moment, truly, because there's always, it seems, something that we can be upset about and angry about. And there are always things around us that are joyful and that are good. So how are we supposed to have both of those at the same time? I think in Western culture, we 
have this idea that we are one thing, right? I am joyful at this moment. I am angry. I am frustrated. And that's not always accurate, is it? Because we are a mix of everything that's happening around us. Of We're, we're a mix of different roles of how we're showing up. So first, I would say that we don't need to give ourselves that label of, I can only feel like this, or I can only feel like that. And I think this scenario tends to show up most when we are facing something like grief, when something tragic happens and we think, well, how can I be happy when I'm going through this really difficult trauma or I love, just lost this loved one? How can I even be happy? Like there's this guilt that settles in of like, um, I'm not supposed to be enjoying anything because then I'm not honoring the sadness. And so I think if we can release that idea first, that it has to be either or, but that God is present in every emotion we have in every given moment. And we see that in God's, just his character. I mean, he is present with every person at any given moment and any person is going through any myriad of emotions. So we know that it's okay to be feeling different things and to have all of them even at the same time. So I think letting go of that first is okay. And it's, it's, it's a good first step. And I think also it's important to begin to ask ourselves, well, what is, what are, are the things that we're feeling on both sides of the coin and allowing our emotional self to let that come out and walking through that process of ADD that I talk about in the Christian mindset makeover and in the coaching work I do where we're acknowledging what we're feeling as real. And then we're determining what is, what is true and what's not true about it. And then we're deciding where we're going to dwell in light of all of that. So acknowledging pain and seeing what's true and what's not true, and then deciding what we're, how we're going to manage it. And also acknowledging the good. And I believe that God gives us both as a gift. It's, it's you know, in the times of deep grief, we want to process and, and to deal with what's in front of us. But God is a God who wants to help us through our suffering and bring comfort too. So what if the good things that we're seeing, the laughter, the the beautiful sunrise, the the incredible breakfast we ate or something, I mean, whatever it is, what if those things are meant to be like, if the trauma is like a bomb that's gone off in our life, these are the things that help diffuse the bomb's effect, so to speak. What if those are little gifts of God, little miracles, little ways that God is trying to comfort us through it? What if that is what the good is? So I think being able to acknowledge both sides is healthy and good. And we don't have to try to, to pick one or the other. And we don't have to try to feel bad about one or the other, but just to accept them as the totality of, of being human and of walking through this very human journey, but always bringing them before God and, and sorting through the truth of what's in there, seeing what is true and what's not true, and letting him help us by his Holy Spirit decide where we want to dwell. And in that moment, that's going to change. It may be that you're you're feeling like, I need to, to feel the loss or feel the sadness and to grieve it. I don't have to always try to be pushing it away. That's not my goal. Uh, and then maybe sometimes I am going to really enjoy the, the joy of this moment and the gift of the goodness that's happening around me. And the let, then let the Lord sort out how that all works out together. But just being aware of it and seeing the truth in it and being willing to step into it as God leads, I think is really, really important. 
All right, friends, have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't already subscribed, I pray you will subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating. If that's something that, again, you're resonating with what we're talking about here. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today. Please go to vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash podcast, scroll down, and then click on this episode to get the full show notes and more info on the resources that we talked about. And if you love this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review in your favorite podcast player. I look forward to seeing you back here for next week's episode.